0: Well, this is the midweek devotional for September the 23rd. My name is Parker Johnson. I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church in Bruton, Alabama. If you don't have a church, uh, we'd love for you to come check us out. Call me here at the church, 867-5395. I'd love to tell you more about what Jesus has done for sinners like you and me. We worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. And our website is fpcbruton.org. Let's pray. So, Father, as we turn our attention now to your word, grant us understanding and wisdom by your spirit. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've been doing my Bible study in Ezekiel now for a while, and I wanted to share with you um, something that I I read not long ago. But first, let me uh, set up Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel is one of what's called the major prophets. It's one of the longest books in Scripture. Uh, And one of the things that sets Ezekiel apart is that he is what's called an exilic prophet. What is that, an exilic prophet? Well, the word exilic comes from the word exile. So you'll remember, hopefully, that Uh, God's people have been warned again and again and again and again and again and again again that if they turn from him and worship false idols and hoard themselves out after false gods and uh, look to the help of foreign nations instead of uh, their God, the one true God, then God was going to carry uh, out his promise to send foreign invaders to uh, destroy, to bring punishment. And, uh, and ultimately to make them go into exile, that is take many of their number into a different land. And by this, he would discipline them. Now, he's also told them, like, look, look if this happens, uh, I'm also going to bring you back. So it's not going to be forever, but you should know this is going to happen. Well, it It happened. So the first round, there were three main rounds. There were several other ones, but the main round of invasion by the Babylonians into the southern kingdom called Judah began in 603. There were two others following that, uh, 597 and 586. And some of those who were carried away in 597, among them was uh, a man named Ezekiel. Now, he was uh, of the priestly order. He was a line of Aaron within the house or the tribe of Levi. And so he was slated to be a priest, but you couldn't be a priest until you were 30. Uh, he was probably about 25 in 597 when he went into exile. And thus he began his priestly duties in, uh, called as a prophet, as one who never was able to serve in the temple. Uh, I can imagine that would have been very, very uh, difficult. Now, his message uh, is primarily, or at least the section that I've been in thus far, uh, has been to uh, tell those in exile that it's going to get worse, that... Um, Soon is going to come uh, the complete destruction of Jerusalem, and no one will be able to escape except for a very small portion. Uh, and, And what's even worse than that is that not only is Jerusalem going to be destroyed, but also the temple is going to be destroyed. Now false prophet after false prophet had said peace, peace when there actually was no peace or, or thought that since they had the temple of the Lord, they said the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord and God won't destroy us. He'll protect us even though they were offering sacrifices to false idols there that God wouldn't allow it to ever happen. But, but part of uh, Ezekiel's ministry of his prophetic work was to declare to the exiles, and perhaps um, that word may have traveled to Jerusalem, Uh, we don't know, that this really was going to happen. And to to show why it was going to happen, that it wasn't something that was willy-nilly or God just being a meanie, that this was in direct response to what God's people had done. They had forsaken their God. Now, to those who were in exile, this would have been horrific news. Right? I mean, can you? I, we cannot imagine because we stand on this side of the cross. The importance of the temple, built by Solomon in the 11th century, we get now down to the beginning of the 6th century BC. Uh, the temple, and before that, the tabernacle, which was uh, made in the uh, somewhere between 1440 and 1400. Uh, BC, um, that, that had, there had been a physical locus, location of the worship of the living God. And now God is saying that he is going to send foreign invaders to destroy it. Now, even though they had gone apostate, even though the vast majority, except for a small remnant, had turned their back on God, this would have been a huge blow to the nation state of Israel. One of the things that God is going to use Ezekiel for is to tell the people why it is happening. Now, it's interesting. This, this really opens up the topic of why bad things happen. I've been thinking a lot about that. So we think about the coronavirus. We think about hurricane. As, as I think about tragedy in people's lives, why, why do these things happen? And the reality is most of the time we don't know. Uh, we're going to talk about that in, in a second. But, but in this instance, God tells his people exactly why it's going to happen. And so I bring you to Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. Ezekiel 14, 21 through 23. For thus says the Lord God, How much more will I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beast, and pestilence, to cut it off from man and beast? But behold, some survivors will be left. Sons and daughters who will be brought out, behold, when they come out to you, you will see their ways and their deeds. And you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds. And you shall know that I have done, excuse me, that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. So the recipients of Ezekiel's word would have been just appalled the idea that God was going to destroy the temple, but he says, look, there are going to be some exiles left. There are going to be some fugitives, some some survivors, and when they show up, you're going to know that my judgment was just. Why? Uh, Verse 22, you will be consoled for the disaster I have brought upon it, for all that I have brought upon it. Why? You will see their ways and their deeds. This opens up the broader question of what's called theodicy, the, the question of evil. Um, it brings up the question of suffering. You know, it's really hard, the idea of, of suffering, especially when you are powerless to do anything about it. And, and there just are no easy answers, right? There, there are just no easy answers. And if anyone says that there's an easy answer, then, then honestly, they're just wrong. Now, there are some good theological frameworks that we can work through, and, and I'm going to mention a few in a minute. But the reality is that the, the question of suffering is a very difficult question, and there's just no easy answers. But I, I will say that we do have some answers, some way of scratching through this question, even as we bring humility to it. One of the Ones that I love is Genesis eighteen twenty five, And the King James Version just has it best. It says, Will not the judge of all earth do right? Will not the judge of all earth do right? The ESV says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Do we trust God to do what is right or not? Do we trust God to make the right judgments or not? Do we trust that God really does know what he is doing or not? Uh, JML, our youth director, and I are reading a book. Let me find it so I get the title right. It's called uh, The Care of Souls, Cultivating a Pastor's Heart. It's by Herod, Harold L. Sinkbell. I guess that's how you say his last name. So far, it's a really good book. One of the things he was talking about today uh, in our reading for today so we talked through it together, was that providence is a good barometer for faith. Providence is a good barometer for faith. What, what does he mean by that? He means that when bad things happen, are our lives rocked by them? Or do we, are, are we able to faithfully endure them? You know, barometer shows you the increase, the decrease in barometric pressure. Or the atmospheric pressure. And so often, Providence, you know, when things good or bad happen to us, they show a lot about what is deep in our hearts and the strength of our relationship with God. Now, by that, I don't mean that we don't struggle or that we don't have hard questions or that we don't sometimes stumble and fall. I don't mean that at all. Go read the Psalms of these men who had just incredible faith. We look at David, and, and yet we see him pinning some very heartfelt questions of, where, where are you, God? Why aren't you responding to me? Um, but it is a good question. Are, are our lives rocked when bad things happen? And I will say that uh, in my life, more than I would like to admit— and I think a lot of it comes down to this question, this rhetorical question in Genesis 18-25, will not the judge of all the earth do right? right? Do I really trust that, that God is in control and that he has a good plan and a good purpose? That's not always for my comfort, but it is always for my sanctification. It is always that I will grow in godliness and become more like Jesus. See, from the outside, as we think back to Ezekiel, as we think about from the outside and even the rest of the world, they would look on and and they could make tragic um, uh, misunderstandings about what had happened in Jerusalem. And people could come to all sorts of really bad conclusions about, well, God has forsaken his people. I told you, he wouldn't help them. When in reality, God is showing them and giving them a glimpse of the fact that he really is in control. In fact, all of the calamity that is going to be brought upon Jerusalem, all the horrors that were brought upon them, it was directed by God. God Himself would send the evil Babylonians to take care of His people with the edge of the sword. But even that raises all sorts of questions, doesn't it? You know, the in Habakkuk, um, Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, and and he is really upset. Habakkuk is with the Lord for sending such a terrible people to, uh, to take out Jerusalem but it r- reminds us of our question will not the judge of all the earth do right I want more humility in my life when it comes to accepting from the Lord that which he places before me do you want that for yourself I know I sure do I want to accept from the hand of the Lord better what He brings to my life in good times and bad. In good times that I would remember that it's from the Lord and not my own efforts, and in bad that I would remember that God's going to get me through this. I, you know, remember the, the precious words of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that the, the grace of the Lord is sufficient. right? My power is made strength in your weakness. Uh, what what a great uh, I think I botched that let me let me go find it second corinthians twelve nine um, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness, and yet so often i 'm just not content to be there to be weak. How about you? It takes humility to admit our weakness and to admit that we can't take care of something, to admit that we don't understand something. And yet it returns us to our question. Genesis 18, 25, will not the judge of all earth do right? It's a question that continues to come up in Scripture. As we think about Psalm 73, I really would encourage you to go hang out in Psalm 73 where we see um, the psalmist struggle with this. Hey, why do the evildoers? Why do the arrogant? Why do they prosper? And why are they doing so well when I'm not? In fact, he says, "My foot almost slipped when I considered the arrogant." Then he finally remembers his relationship with the Lord and the justice of God and His love for His people. It's the question that Paul raises in um, Romans chapter nine, verse nineteen and following. You will say to me, then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honored use and another for dishonorable? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy? Which he has prepared beforehand for glory. We need to come to a place of humility. Where we say, Yes, Lord. Help me, Lord. For we really are powerless. And Ezekiel was given an incredibly difficult ministry. It wasn't a ministry in which many, many would come to Christ. It wasn't one where there was gonna be what we would call success. It's it was a life of hardship with many acts actually acted out that, that included great hardship for the prophet. And the end result was Jerusalem really was destroyed. 586, the Babylonians showed up. They destroyed the temple. The streets ran with the blood of women, men, and children. And it wasn't until the exiles returned um, Under the decree of Cyrus, which was 538, I believe, off the top of my head. And the second temple was finally uh, finished in 516 BC, but it was smaller and less glorious, and the glory cloud, the Shekinah glory of God never came down to it. So what do we say about all this? Well, we return to Genesis 18.25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? You know, as we struggle with this question, uh, and it's a real question, and we, I think we should struggle with it. We should think through it. You know, where do we find the only real answer that we can come to? And it's at the cross, isn't it? It's at the cross when we think about um, the injustice, the injustice of the perfect judge of all the earth, right? Because here is the judge. Shall not the earth, shall out the judge of all the earth do right? Well, well, here is the judge, Christ, judged at the cross, not for anything that he has done, but rather for what we have done. He is the author of life, the one who uphold all, upholds all things by the word of his power, who who made all things that exist, and without him there is nothing that does exist. He is the word, he is the eternally begotten. He is God. And here he is upon the cross, and it pleased the Father to crush him. And that's got to change how we think through this question, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Was it right for him to crush his son? Well, God's justice was satisfied, right? It was the only way, it was the only way that you and I could have our sins forgiven, It was the only way that we could be restored to a right relationship with Him. God took upon Himself what was rightfully ours, damnation upon the cross, that we might receive what we had no right to, and that was eternal life. You know, as we think through the destruction of the first temple, what horrible news that would have been. Who is Christ? Well, when we get to John 1, we read that Christ... Uh, the Word, um, He he tabernacled amongst us. He dwelt amongst us. He is the true temple. He is the one who's entered into the true holy place with His sacrifice, making atonement for our sins. And now the church is the temple of God as the Holy Spirit dwells within it. And even you and I have the Holy Spirit within us dwelling in us that we might um, do what is right, that we might follow the way of the true judge of all the earth. So what's our takeaway? Well, the problem of evil, the problem of bad things happening, that's a big, big topic, and, and we've just even be, we, we, haven't even, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Um, but it's a question where we come with humility, or we need to. We trust that the judge of all the earth does what is right. And praise Him that He considered it right to judge His Son upon the cross. And now our Savior really is making all things new. And one day He will return in and, and all that is not right. All that is wrong about this world. From the pandemic to hurricanes to tragedy within families to cancer. To cancer in children. Whatever it is. These things will finally be done away with. May the Lord come soon. Let's pray. So Father, we do pray that you would send your son soon to make all things new. Lord, help us in this season to be faithful to you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.